Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. All right, welcome back to the Church and Culture Podcast. I'm Alexis, and as always, I'm joined by Dr. James Emery White. Last week, we talked about some of the underlying issues regarding the Ukrainian and Russian conflict, and just based on the feedback, it was eye-opening for many. Um, If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I definitely hope that you'll go back and check that out. Now, today's conversation is going to be altogether different. And last week, we started by saying that the Russian-Ukraine conflict was not surprising as a, a topic of conversation. This one, you probably will not have seen coming because today we're going to talk about hypnotism. And yes, hypnotism, but not the hypnotism that you might be imagining. So if you're thinking of the traditional, you know, like watch that's being, you know, um, pendulated in front of you, accompanied by you're getting sleepy, or if you're thinking of the entertainment form of hypnotism where people are um, asked to act like chickens, you probably want to put that character caricature aside because that's not exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So Jim, I'm going to have you start off by giving us some background into why, why we're talking about this. Why has hypnotism been in the news lately? Well, it's been in the news lately because it has now become something that um, has left both the entertainment field and the show par trick kind of uh, field, as well as what room it had in the medical field. And now it's just being put out for anyone to use in any way, shape, or form they choose to use it as a self-induced act, and largely through uh, voice assistants like Alexa, where you can say, Alexa, hypnotize me. Okay. So I, ha- you know, I have to ask, have you ever been hypnotized? I have not, okay. <laughs> this nor, make- nor do I ever plan to. Okay. I was going to say, this would make for a much more fun conversation if you had, but <laughs> talk to me about that then. So you said I would not, nor would you ever so No. why? Well, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't have a place in qualified hands in, in certain fields, but I, I want to actually go back and even add more layers to that because first I want to talk about what hypnosis does. What hypnosis does is it bypasses your conscious and that's both its power and it's uh, the fear is that it bypasses your conscious and can plant suggestions and things like that and maybe help someone with uh, cigarette smoking or losing weight or something of that nature. Um, and, and it, And before I get into, okay, where it might have a place for those things, anything that goes past your conscious bypasses your consciousness and has access to that most innermost part of your psyche, that should be alarming that, you know, for anything. So even if it's legit that you're doing it, you should do it with your eyes wide open with great care. And I would make sure that the person doing it shares your worldview and is also a Christ follower and that they're... uh, qualified to do it. And I would even have other people in the room because you are extraordinarily vulnerable at that moment. And the reason why I'm so concerned about it becoming like something, you know, Alexa hypnotized me is because it has ties to the occult. In fact, the person who um, is considered the father of hypnotism was also someone who uh, was a participant in the occult. And, um, Uh, His name is where we get the word mesmerized. It was built off of his name. And there is a sense where when you open yourself up like that, you open yourself up to not simply uh, 
someone's suggestions, you open yourself up to everything. And you, that includes the spiritual realm. And that includes the world of the occult, the demonic. And so uh, it, I have a very healthy concern about that. So particularly when it just gets out there almost like a toy, almost like something that uh, you would do and, and you would lose control of, and who knows what would happen. Now, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? No, I do not believe that theologically. Um, the Holy Spirit cannot share space with the demonic, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's taken up residence us if we are Christ follower, but that doesn't mean that you cannot be oppressed. And if you're not a Christian, you can certainly be possessed. And hypnotism would be an easy way of just throwing open the front door and say, anybody want to come in? Come on in. I'm not even going to be aware of it. That's frightening. Okay. I want to go back for a minute because we live in such embodied realities that this whole concept that you can bypass your consciousness, I feel like we need to talk about that. Like, what are the spiritual implications of that in terms of what's the suggestion? Like, what is what is trying to be alluded to in terms of like your conscious does not want to do whatever must be done. And so we can somehow your consciousness can be bypassed and thoughts can be implanted somewhere. Is that the the concept or the behind hypnosis? Pretty much. Um, and uh, just like in aspects of technology, they're experimenting with implants that would do uh, aspect with your brain to prompt certain things as well. Um, the, the, there is a, and this, this is part of, of where theology is going to have to do some fresh thinking. What does it mean to be conscious? What does it mean to be aware? Where does the will come into play in terms of if you bypass the will, if you will, and, and do something like hypnosis? I mean, is that something that could be, um, how does that play into the, the, the freedom we have and the choice of sin and the choice not to sin and, and, and how much of our inner world can we make plastic, much like we have made our bodies plastic to be shaped however we want? And will that be the next technological frontier to begin to do that with our inner world? That's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to, and I did blog on this a few weeks ago, but also just begin to open it up even for my own thinking and, and to get it and other Christians thinking, because this is a, a new frontier. Sure. I mean, and it makes me think too, I mean, even personally, you know, there are a whole score of things, you know, Paul, Paul alludes this to things I want to do that I don't do and vice versa, that the whole concept of being able to have godly thoughts implanted beyond my will seems like that could be a great thing, but, but perhaps not. But see, that's already, that's already there. Yeah. It's called the Holy Spirit. Yes. You're and the Holy Spirit's promptings and the Holy Spirit moving in our inner world. And I, and I think that it's, it's, you know, you just don't want to um, you're, you're, you need to walk carefully here because from the biblical perspective, we already have that implant. We already have that conscious, you know, working beneath our conscious, even the scriptures say he even prays words that we don't even know to pray interceding for us on our behalf. And so we have that. Um, and so that's one of the, another reason why hypnosis, um, and again, I, 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 I even have written, there is a medical place for it. I, 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 there is, I think that most Christians would agree with that. And I would agree too, but I think it has to be uh, for very unique cases, for very unique reasons, not simply because you're wanting a, a way of bypassing, you know, raw discipline, um, because it's, it's serious. It's just like if you go to a doctor and they say, <clears throat> well, we could do this procedure 
but I sure don't want to do that until we have to, because it's invasive. Mm -hmm. All right. I consider hypnosis deeply invasive. Right. Which makes me wonder, I mean, you said that most people would agree that medical uses of hypnosis are acceptable, but, but with, based on what you said about how the Holy Spirit is our implant, are we suggesting then that the Holy Spirit cannot cure some of these things that only hypnosis can? No, I, I wouldn't go there any more than I would go and say, well, the Holy Spirit can heal me, so maybe I should bypass modern medicine in terms of my cancer. No, not saying that at all. Um, I'm saying that along with whatever is appropriate to use, even if it includes hypnosis, we're also praying like mad and for healing and the Holy Spirit to do whatever he chooses to do. I just, what is of deep concern to me is that if you take hypnosis out of that medical, proper medical realm, and even within the medical realm, I personally would tell someone, make sure your doctor is a Christ follower, they share your worldview, kinds of things that, you know, when you're at that vulnerable moment, I would have a spouse or someone in the room with you so they know what's being said or suggested, just safety things. But having said all that, what I'm concerned about is when you bring this into uh, homes and unsupervised, unregulated, where you're hypnotizing yourself um, or allowing a voice assistant to hypnotize you and you have no idea what's going, that is frightening mm -hmm. uh, because there's all of these online or voice assisted hip, uh, hypnosis companies. And you may say, well, okay, uh, hypnotize me. I want to stop smoking. And, but once they get in there, you have no idea what's going on. And, and, and that to me is, uh, that's, that would be a reckless use of this. And yet that is what is breaking out now and it's becoming very popular. And so I do think it's healthy for Christians because of that to realize that hypnosis is not something just kind of neutral. It's not, it, it needs to be thought through Christianly and you need to realize it does have ties, potential ties to the occult, at least in terms of opening yourself up to those influences, <clears throat> just like, and it is, so it's, it, we have to be careful with it. Just like, uh, I'm surprised at how many Christians think nothing about, you know, astrology and think that's just some neutral thing. It's fun to read my sign and what's happening today, where that is the occult. And there's a lot of things with the occult today that is either blatantly occultic, like astrology, or is a gateway drug to the occult, like hypnosis could potentially be. And um, Christians aren't even thinking about it carefully enough to, to be discerning there. I think we're going to have to do a whole nother podcast because <laughs> I can already anticipate well, a lot of questions. <laughs> there's gonna, there, there will need to be uh, more than a few on the world of the occult because that's probably the, uh, what word would I use? Kind of the, the, the religion of the nuns and certainly Gen Z. It's, it's what they're embracing. They're wide open to the spiritual and the supernatural. Unfortunately, it happens to be largely uh, rooted in the occult. And so the the um old school occult of the horror movies is again i i would say it's a lot more sophisticated than that but it is a blatant embrace of the occult and um and we need to be extremely uh sensitized to that mm. new age thinking too and all of its forms didn't go anywhere it just got packaged a little more politely 
On that note, um, before we're able to do more podcasts on it, I will link um, in the show notes um, a series that you've done. I think it was called Paranormal, um, where you talked a little bit more at length about this. So people can go and and check that out as a resource. Um, But I'm with you. Like, I, I think the whole idea of hypnotism or anything happening to me against my will, it's frightening. But obviously, not everybody feels that way. Like, I'm trying to think of what can we take away or conclude from culture with the very fact that hypnotism is becoming, you know, a popular thing that people are looking for. What do you think people, what do you think it is that people are truly craving through hypnotism? We're all wanting a quick fix. We're all wanting the the pill. We're wanting the shot that, and I'm not saying that, it, hey, if there is a pill, if there is a shot, I mean, you know, so be it. And that doesn't necessarily make it automatically uh, nefarious. But uh, we're all wanting really shortcuts and and as opposed to what it would really take. And so obviously, if someone were to say, I really want to revolutionize my life, transform myself from the inside out, um, the secular world will say, well, let's look at some therapies. Let's look at some hypnosis. Let's look at some drugs. Let's look at some um, certain kinds of things like that. And, and some of that could be good. But the Christian response would be, well, while taking advantage of everything that would be, you know, not be harmful to you spiritually or physically, the real transformation you long for from the inside out can only happen through the regenerating work of of the Holy Spirit in your life through a saving relationship with Christ and his work on the cross. And so until you embrace that, you'll never be fully human. You'll never have that kind of holistic healing, that beginning of transformation that really works its way from the inside out. And, uh, and the more you cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work, the more that transformation happens, the more acreage of your inner world he's able to take over and control. And so that's the real answer. And so in terms of culture, uh, you know, it, it's asking for therapeutic answers. Well, the Christian faith has the ultimate therapy, if you will. It just happens to uh, reside in the form of a person. Mm. What's interesting, you know, even as I've done my own research on this recently because of your, um, you know, the headlines that you've drawn my attention to, it's interesting how meditation also is a part of this conversation that a lot of um, the companies are kind of putting hypnotism and meditation almost as if they're, they're close cousins to each other. But I think that we already based on your, oh, go ahead. No, in some ways they are. In fact, the reason that hypnosis started to show up on Alexis and Alexa um, was uh, because meditation was so popular as a voice assistant app and, and you know, use. There's two things about, a couple things about meditation. Um, the reason that meditation sometimes is kind of a kissing cousin hypnosis is because Eastern meditation, non-Christian meditation, if you will, is involved with emptying yourself, is involved with emptying your mind, okay? And that's hypnosis. I want to get past your consciousness. I want to empty your mind and I want to get through. Eastern meditation is an emptying of yourself, which again, makes you vulnerable to the occult and the demonic and the influence, which is, which is the opposite of Western or Christian meditation, which is using meditation to fill yourself, to meditate on the scriptures and to fill your mind with, with, um, you know, prayer and scripture and things of that nature. And so there are two radically different approaches to meditation, two radically different outcomes. And, um, and so again, that's a very important distinction. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So you're saying that even if we had started this conversation, not about hypnotism specifically, but even about meditation, that your responses or takeaways would be almost identical. Very similar. Yes, yes, yes. 
but as there is a Christian alternative to meditation, it doesn't seem like there's quite a Christian alternative to hypnotism. No, I think, I think, I think, yeah, I think that if you, there could be in that, again, hypnotism in and of itself done properly in the right hands for the right purposes, I'm not decrying. So a Christian form, if you will, is that I want it performed by a person who is obviously trained and qualified, but I'd like them to be a Christian to boot. And, and I'd like to have a witness be there. And I want to be strong in my own faith. I, I don't want this to be even remotely doing anything other than the medical need that it is trying to address. And so you keep it within the context of um, that kind of Christian, you know, bubble, you know, have at it if indeed that is what is best and called for. Now, I imagine as people are listening to this, they may have somebody in mind who they know has used one of these apps or has been maybe pursuing hypnotism in a way that you wouldn't encourage. And at first, you know, first glance, it seems like, oh, you know, just I'm not into that. But if you're into that, that's fine. But the way that you framed it with this is, you know, a potentially, you know, occultish territory, the stakes are a little bit higher all of a sudden. Do you have any guidance with how to navigate those conversations? One thing, if it's a Christian, but another thing, if it's not. Well, if it's not a Christian, um, it is navigated differently. If it's a Christian, I would just be really upfront with them and just have the conversation that we've had here. Um, If it's, if they're not a Christian, I would encourage them to study the history of hypnotism, understand where it's at in terms of the medical field where even those who embrace it and use it for the medical field, who even they would say, don't use it this way because it's dangerous, it's suggestive, and it is a bypass of your consciousness. And you don't do that lightly. And so I think that that's a very fair conversation for someone to have, because I don't think they're really thinking about all that could happen that would be potentially harmful once your conscious is bypassed. And so that's a just kind of a straight up conversation. It doesn't even have to get into spiritual things. Sure. Awesome. I've got just one more follow-up question about meditation, because I do think that that is probably more popular than hypnotism at this point. And I feel like it would be, if somebody were to listen to this and decide, okay, I'm not going to do a hypnotizing app, but you know, I'm going to keep all of my meditation apps. I feel like they may have missed the point of this in terms of um, how to go about this properly. And so can we just talk about that for just maybe a minute longer of, you're talking about how Christian meditation is really about filling your mind and filling it with what? Um, I mean, the, the monastic monastic communities are, you know, throughout Christian history are really kind of where this Christian meditation became popular and, and to a lot of benefit of the Christian church. So how can we do this in a winsome yeah. way? Well, I've drunk deeply from the Desert Fathers and uh, the Benedictine approach to various things. I've, I've benefited greatly from, from that. And, uh, and even uh, as it progressed, uh, Celtic approaches to spirituality, and uh, even um, uh, medieval Catholic approaches to spirituality. You and I were talking the other day about how much Francis de Sales meant to me in my thinking and my spiritual formation, even though I disagree with him theologically on a lot of things. Um, but uh, one of the things that I would say is that throughout all of Christian history, the filling of the mind has been either filling the mind through iconic um, icons. That's in fact, we were having a conversation last week about the Orthodox Church icons are huge for them. They do not worship them, but they venerate what the icon represents. And so they would fill their mind with those images. Uh, They would fill their mind. And just like a Christian could sit and meditate on art, 
depicting a passion scene and just spend time on that. So you know, don't be too dismissive of icons because we would do the same thing with a really good painting by Rembrandt um, of maybe the prodigal son. So uh, there is scripture that historically has always been used, uh, prayers that have already been worded that have become part of Christian history, even the famed Jesus prayer as a matter of, of, of meditation. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that just that one line, that one prayer, just being reflected on and meditated on, slowly worded. Um, I think this is why Christians have often said that you should memorize scripture, because that's a form of having it there for meditation. I mean, you don't memorize it just to be able to spurt it out. You memorize it so that you take it in, you reflect on it, you have it, you meditate on it. And so it is filling your head with scripture, words to hymns or songs, Christian songs can be, um, and there's so many things, but again, it's a filling. It's not an emptying. Mm. And what you fill yourself with is things that uh, draw you closer uh, to God, lead your heart toward, you know, private worship. And, um, and also just is transformative for yourself. Because you and I both know, even something as simple as taking time to reflect on scripture and pray at the start of the day, for me, it makes for a radically different, at least first part of the day, <laughs> it makes for a radically different day than if that's completely bypassed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that not only are we talking about filling ourselves, but having whatever type of meditative element we have, it should be a part of our life. But the emptying is, is again, more along the lines of what the occult would call for. Well, and it seems to be a response to just, you know, how people are feeling so overwhelmed with life and thinking that if I can just get more off my plate, if I can just empty my mind of all of my cares and worries, then that's really the solution. But what you're suggesting is that that's not really quite the approach that we, yes, you may feel overwhelmed, but the idea is not to empty yourself of it, but to invite God into. That's right. Because if you empty yourself up, but don't invite God, you're in almost in essence, uh, inviting others in or, you know, opening the front door. And this is, I'd love to do a future podcast on aspects of this and how it relates to something else that's really popular, which is yoga. And again, not anti yoga, I'm anti um, religious yoga and uh, Hindu based yoga, which sadly is what most Americans are doing. And they don't even aren't even aware of it. Mm. Yes, we'll definitely need to talk about that. But we can't today, and that's all okay. the time that we have. So, um, but again, we hope that this was time well spent for you. We value your time, and we hope that you're going to join us again next week. As always, to access this episode's show notes or to follow the Church and Culture daily news headlines or blog, head over to churchandculture.org. Don't forget to share this with a friend, and you can access this podcast at churchandculture.org or wherever you get podcasts. We will see you. We will have you join us next week. Mm -hmm.